Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Her husband was a career law enforcement officer, a military veteran, who was shot and murdered in the line of duty. And she's joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from uh, California, Nicole Romans on the phone. Uh, uh, shall we call you Nikki? Is that okay? Nikki is wonderful. Thank you. Nikki is, uh, first of all, very courageous to come on the show and talk about what we're still going to talk about. Uh, her husband, police sergeant Irvin Romans, killed in line of duty. Many officers killed that day. He was one of them. It was a horrific incident on the day of the history of the Oakland, California Police Department. And uh, as I'm well aware, and I'm positive, it's a horrific incident for you and your family. Again, thank you for coming on. And you have a a perspective that doesn't get told very often. I did happen to go online, and I looked. uh, There was something from, I think, San Francisco Gate did something a few years ago where they interviewed you. But traditionally, at least here in the East Coast, uh, the surviving members of a fallen officer's family don't really get talked to much. And I think part of it might be respect to begin with, and then they don't know how to have the conversation. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to either retire police, and, and this is territory that didn't come in a book didn't there's no procedures there's manuals of what to say how to say it uh it's it's just awkward and uncomfortable so again thanks for coming to the show and volunteering to talk about it thank you and i believe what you said is just perfectly accurate for the police officers who are currently working and doing their grind every day when they see one of us survivor widows or family members very uncomfortable level energy instantly it is i feel from them and you know and I, I hate to say it i'm embarrassed to say and i have a good friend kim diachilla whose husband my friend billy martin was kind of line of duty and we've known each other a long time and with the exception of her if i see other survivors i want to run the other way because i'm exactly. so afraid of saying the wrong thing and you know what they tell me we feel ostracized we just want you to come talk to us like we're regular people And the worst part for me, Jay, are the ones who were his friends. 
who turn and walk away and or get quiet. People who we hung out with. Yeah. We're not just talking an officer that he worked with, officers who were his friends that we socially did things as groups and get-togethers. That's, I think, has been the hardest part for me. And you're not alone. I, everybody I've talked no, to that, no, that is no. part of this, and they use the term club that no one wants to be a member of, yeah, everybody exactly. says the same thing. It's like we were part of this blue family. We were so connected. We had friendships and did cookouts with people and everything else. And then my husband, my wife, my spouse was killed in line of duty. It's like no one even talks to you anymore. Yeah, I've I've got definitely a few of them who are, you know, more engaging. You know, still do the calls, the text messages, but in regards to socially anything else unless it has to do with the EOW 321 or something that I'm doing um, in regards to honoring my husband that's usually the only time that I see them and it you know we're going on 10 years coming up pretty soon so I'm trying to always just keep that light open that I have to understand that these men have and women have to suit up every day and go back to trying not to remember that day. It's a department of 750 men and women, and we had five officers shot, four killed, same per two different incidents within an hour and a half period. So it affected many, and the ripple effects of that affected many. Um, we had suicides after you know that, and so it wasn't just that we lost four, we lost many more men because of that day. So this is something that I hope and pray that won't happen again, unfortunately. It happened that same year um, in Lakewood, Washington, had four officers killed in, the di- in a diner. Yep. So in 2009 alone, we had two multiple officers killing shootings. And now look at what's happened yeah. since then. And yeah. I, I do the the bulk of the social media posting for law enforcement today, and it's just nonstop. Yeah. And, uh I know the facts. I look at Officer Down Memorial page. I look at National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Fund and the line of duty deaths have decreased. There are less. One is way too many, but there are less than there used to be in the 80s and 90s and 70s. But it just seems to be so prevalent and nonstop. And every time I see one, it doesn't matter that I didn't know him or her. It doesn't matter they work for a different agency. It has a deep emotional impact all the way across the United States. Yeah, it definitely does. And I always say, not just the United States, you know, worldwide, you know, we had officers from Australia and Great Britain and Canada come to our funeral for our, you know, fallen four. Um, I mean, that makes an impact, you know, see that happening. And with the ambushing and multiple murders of officers, you know, monthly, it almost seems like, you know, just way too many. Um, this is taking a toll, and it's you know changing a lot with who is now becoming a police officer. I am a family member of many police officers in my family. Started off with my oldest brother when he became a deputy sheriff when I was 12 years old. Since then, I had three brothers, two brother-in-laws, and now I have a nephew who's 28 years old on with one of the local departments. And it's just so different from when my brothers were in till not my nephew now. Just completely different. I live in the Sacramento County community. So we just recently had, the, you know, 
the officer Natalie Corona from out of yeah. Davis PD. Oh, what a heartbreaker that was. And my nephew is in the neighboring department to that. My sister and my niece were literally having dinner at the restaurant across the street when the car accident happened that initiated this whole thing. So it was just one of those days where, no, this can't be happening again. Why was she ambushed? I mean, it was just no rhyme or reason to people's craziness anymore. And most of it is just out of disrespect for law enforcement now. I struggle. Um, I find that I, I, even to this day, I, I try to find answers and explanations in my mind to say, why would they do this? And the truth is, yeah. I remember being a, a rookie officer and I was very upset about something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, and one of the old timers said to me, he said, listen, if you try to make sense out of things that make no sense at all, that have no logic, that have no reasonable explanation, you're gonna drive yourself absolutely insane. And that's a lot of what you encounter. One of the things that gets lost in a conversation well, first of all, you said EOW 321. For those who are listening who don't know, EOW is uh, short for end of watch, which is what we say in a police family across the United States for when an officer dies in line of duty. So that would be end of watch, March 21st, and that was 2009 was the date that your husband was killed. Yes, it was. And he was not alone. There was a total of four officers killed that day. Yeah, the quick story to it was that a officer, motor officer, had pulled over a suspect for simply running a red light. He gave a bad identification card, so he had called in for backup just to say, hey, we need to talk to you. Why'd you give us a false ID? So when the second motor officer approached, they approached together, and then just that quick, the perk opened up his window Pushed, you know, put out his gun and literally was able to shoot both motor officers point blank. Over a so simple get, routine traffic stop. In a routine traffic stop, they. Um, and I hate that word, by the way. The There's nothing routine about that. That's so many officers. I keep get hearing killed. that here. Yeah. I keep hearing that now that it's just, it's never. So um, the perk got out the car, stood over both of them, and shot them both execution style. The SWAT team was called in. And then that's when my husband was killed. It was his first day off in probably almost eight to ten days. I can't even remember. And um, next thing I know, his pager and cell phone's going crazy. And I was just like, okay, well, there goes your day off. And he's like, hey, two motors are down. It looks bad. And then literally within an hour and a half of my husband leaving, three more officers were shot killing two more of the SWAT officers, my husband being one. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Nicole Romans, Nikki Romans, her husband, <laughs> police sergeant, Urban Romans from the Oakland, California Police Department, killed in the line of duty March 21st, 2009. This is Law Enforcement Asia. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725, online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. 
Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786 You don't see as well as you used to, and it's getting worse. You're not sure where to turn for support. Wondering what's next? Vision loss doesn't have to hold you back from living the life you want. The National Federation of the Blind can help, whether you're blind or experiencing vision loss. Visit nfb.org to connect with people in your community and get support. The National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Returning to our conversation with Nikki Romans. Uh, Nikki is a survivor. That's a term that's used quite often in a police world, meaning her spouse uh, was killed in line of duty. This whole conversation is about such a deep, dark, emotionally upsetting conversation. The truth is, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. But it's a powerful story that needs to be told because, quite honestly, the news media does a horrible job telling the stories of of our our families and the sacrifice they go through those that are are still alive uh, those officers that survive with horrific injuries and they really do a miserable job of telling the stories of those whose loved ones have died in line of duty and so we want to make this part of the platform here at law enforcement today for people like you to tell your story now your husband was off that day he was a SWAT team member he I, I read he was a marine veteran as well Yes, um, he was. Uh, he was an accomplished <laughs> law enforcement officer. Uh, was not a rookie, and is quite common in many departments, mine included. When you have a SWAT or we call it QRT or a special incident, uh, you rally the troops and they respond from where they are. Most of them being off duty or other patrol assignments. It takes a while yeah. to get there. And rather than go into what happened at the scene 
well, let me ask you this. Are you comfortable talking about what happened at the scene uh, as best you know? And I will be honest. I know, I believe I know majority of what happened at the scene. I am one of these type of people that I don't need to know every single detail like some people might because the biggest detail is somebody shot and killed my husband. Right. So, yes, I will go into as much as As I much as you're you. comfortable with. That's the <laughs> yeah, thing. Because it's a, it's a difficult thing to talk about. And I, I don't feel comfortable asking. Well, that was my biggest reason why I wanted to be here. Because I want also you guys to know that we do have these voices of survivors. And we do want to let people know what has happened and to... You know, keep their memory alive, and sometimes it's a little bit harder. But if I wasn't comfortable, I wouldn't be doing this. Right. So, gotcha. We can do this. <laughs> okay. So that day, March twenty first, two thousand nine, he gets called to a, an active, basically barricade situation with a murder suspect who killed, executed two police officers. Yes. He um, he arrives, and what I was told was that. There was some miscommunication of where they believe the suspect went. When he shot the two motor officers execution style, they said, and this was from people who were at the scene witnesses, that he simply walked across the street and then he took off running through a apartment complex. One of those that kind of had like a a main front gate area that's kind of like a courtyard apartment complex. So the SWAT team decides to go over towards that location to secure it because they're just assuming, well, he had us kept running. No, he was actually in the very first unit. Come to find out, it was his sister's apartment. So he actually did the shooting diagonally across the street from his sister's apartment that he was living in or staying in temporarily within that home he barricaded himself in one of the back rooms again SWAT team not knowing that that was his residence they believe I believe what I was told that he was just they were just clearing those first units just to make sure but upon opening the door they were immediately fired upon my husband never usually enters first and I don't know if a lot of SWAT guys you know, change how they enter. Usually it's more of a, like, this is what you do. You, you, right. You're the one who kicks in the door and then you guys come in and then, you know, it goes from that. For, for whatever reason, my husband this time was first going in. And from what I've always been told by him, he never is. My husband was shot immediately, shot immediately in his face, blowing out the back of his head. He went down and tripped, but it happened so fast that the other SWAT team leaders just thought he had tripped because the unit was so, you know, dirty. Uh-huh. The apartment was so dirty. So they're engaging now in this fire, you know, fight. And um, they realize that he's down. One of the other officers um, gets him and starts to back out of the house while other agents are now pulling up to the scene. They're also now, you know, coming in to assist because they hear what's going on. And someone from a completely different um, department actually came in as part of that firefight because this guy, who they didn't even know lived there, had barricaded himself in a room with an AK-47, but he used a handgun at the motor officer's scene. So this guy (laughs) had already had his world set up there. He was prepared. 
he was prepared. He was prepared. So within, I don't even know the time frame, the second officer goes down being shot pretty much the same way as my husband. Uh, third officer who was shot was shot once in his helmet, which saved him. And then he was shot also, and I believe it was the upper shoulder, and it was a through and through with no you know, injuries, just some stitches. So we could have had five, unfortunately, you know, that day. But thank God we didn't. They put that guy down like the dog he was. Thank God. I believe he took 28 bullets from thank our you. department. Thank you for putting it that way. I uh, very much appreciate it. Yeah. I, I mean that sincerely. Yeah. But he wasn't going down, Jay. He, they were literally in a true firefight. It was found out that one of our OPD officers' bullets which lodged in his barrel. Wow. So to me, to hear that, what were the chances of that happening? <laughs> I, mean, I, uh, I don't know how many of you Mathematically guys speaking, I couldn't come up with the odds. Yeah. It, it's, so, it's so disturbing when you hear stories of, of just one officer being killed or any officer being injured. Yeah. But to have that many happen in one day and, and basically, you know, one extended incident or, or two different incidents involving the same guy. Sure. And without going into the details about him, because uh, I, I hate when, when the news media does that, uh, he was uh, on a parole and uh, mm-hmm. didn't want to go back to prison, basically, is what it was. Yeah, he, um, when he got pulled over by those motor officers, what they didn't realize, it wasn't even just about parole. He had raped two minors within some 48-hour period. There was DNA testing out already. And we found out within, I think, 10 to 15 days later that that DNA came back to him. And the rapes had, had just occurred within 48 hours. And usually rapists like that, office. it's not their first incident. They've been doing it for a no. while. No, no, no. You know, come to find out the AK-47 was stolen in a home invasion and all yeah. these other things. So this, this yeah. Well, this part of the reason why I don't want to go into a lot of detail about this loser is because we need to honor those who served honorably and and your husband was one of them and and the other officers that were killed were the same and their families need to be honored and they need to be respected and to to give too much attention to you said a dog a scumbag (laughs) and you know of all the people in the world I understand crime. I I don't understand why people do it. I understand violent crime. I know. But I've never understood the whole concept of the violent rapist. And they are a class of person that, you know, some people are going to blow their minds when I say this. They are a class of person that are subhuman that uh, sure. they do things in a way and it's not it's not even I hate when they use the term sex crime it's not that it's about demoralizing and uh, exerting extreme power control over someone else and making them subservient it's that, that's what most of these power rapists are and they are despicable that's um, a conversation that we could have if you go on and on and on we'll take a short break we're talking with Nicole Nikki Romans uh, this is the Law Enforcement Today Show don't go anywhere we'll be right back Epidemic, America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost. 
and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. I'm John J. Wiley. uh, Very honored to have as a guest, Nicole Nikki Romans, survivor, her husband, Sergeant Irvin Romans, uh, killed in line of duty from Oakland, California Police Department, March 21st, 2009. Uh, he was one of four officers that were murdered that day by one scumbag. It's part of the the conversation that I find difficult to have, not just with you. Uh, we've had interviews with uh, Teresa Kondek, uh, Kim mm-hmm. Diachilla. Kim, Kim I've known her a very long time. And I don't want to make it all about surviving as a widow because there's so much more to you as an individual and your life. So I don't want people to think that I'm disregarding that. We're going to get to that a little bit later on. Uh, but there's more of the story that needs to be told. And uh, unfortunately for a lot of people, it starts with the knock at the door. So your husband left to go to this call. You're at home Ooh. with your family. And what happened then? Can I give you a tiny bit of backstory? Yeah. Um, my husband, it was his first day off in a long time. He woke up that day in a really good mood. It was around 10 a.m. And it was just like not normal happy mood. Like, oh my God, I finally have a day off. It was more than that. 
Um, and these are the things that I always look back at and say, oh my God, something was happening and I didn't understand it. He gave us the best time between 10 a.m. until that time he left the house around 12, probably that my son and I could ever say we had with him in a very long time. We have four children all together, but only one kid was at home that day, and that was our 17-year-old. And um, my husband had called me up to the room because I was already down doing stuff, and He's like, what's going on? I said, hey, I'm just making breakfast. And he's like, oh, good. What do you make? And then I made, you know, eggs, sausage, and hash browns. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, you want me to bring you up some? Because I could tell he wasn't trying to move out of the bed. And um, he goes, yeah, I think I'll just stay up here and watch some TV. And I'm like, hey, it's your day off and be comfortable. And he, But then he says, hey, do you want to go shopping? Let's go to the outdoor mall. So I hope that one of his friends hears this later because if they know my husband, he doesn't do shopping. I was going to say, because I hate shopping. (laughs) Almost every place I know hates it. Yeah. Unless there's ammo or guns involved, he's not going. (laughs) Or motorcycles Um, or cars or something like that. No. I've I've had to drag him a few times kicking and screaming for like, you know, shopping for a wedding or something for a friend. But other than that, that he just, that's my job. He does his, I do mine. And so I was like, oh, okay, you want to go to the mall? He goes, yeah, yeah. Oh, but we need to go stop first at um, the gym. My friend called and said all the protein powders, like, on sale. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is up with him today? It's just, It was just weird conversation for him. So he eats his food, and the next thing I know, he's calling me back up to the room, and I'm thinking, oh, he just wants me to get his tray, or he wanted to tell me something. I walk in the room. And he has this completely glazed, entranced look on his face, and he's watching TV. And he's like, look at this music video on right now. Is that Beyonce? Like, look at this. It's like a beautiful video. Oh, my God. She almost looks like you. The song. Oh, my God. The song is, like, amazing. It's, like, totally your type of thing, Nikki. And I'm like, What is wrong with you? Like, Who's this I didn't guy? even know he knew who Beyonce was. Yeah. He's a country rock kind of guy. Um, so I'm like, okay, babe. Yeah, that's a really pretty song. I think that album just came out. He was looking at a music video called Halo. And if anyone goes and Googles and watches this video, it is very poignant to that day. We He gets dressed. We leave to go to the gym. We come back, and one of the things he says at the gym when we were getting this protein powder is, damn, I forgot my cell phone. And uh, he's like, well, it's my day off. It's not a big deal. I'm not worried about it. We were only two miles away from our house. Well, we get back in the house, and our son is screaming, hey, Dad, your cell phone and pager are going off like crazy. And then I just put the, you know, the protein powder down on the table. I'm like, oh, there he goes. There goes that day off. But it's when he came down, I could literally see as he's talking on the phone, the blood draining from his face. And I was like, what is happening? And he's like, we got two officers down and it's not good. And I said, all right, you go do your thing. So he packs up his, well, he already had his gear ready and he packs it up and I can literally, Jay here, I said the trunk open on his Crown Vic. I can hear him dropping those bags and I can hear his footsteps coming back into the house. So, he says bye I'll be see you you know soon you know that same old thing but as I go back to walk him back out to the car I tell him 
you know, be safe, honey. You know, be smart, be safe. Something I've never said ever to him because I'm not that girl or the wife who worried about my husband. Right. Um, being that I came and grew up in law enforcement, I was fine. I knew what the job was. I never kind of had that, oh my God, something's going to happen to my husband feeling. I never had that with him. But a year before all of this, Jay, some ever, whatever reason why a conversation came up with him and I, um, he was also an avid fisherman. He would go to Alaska and fish with some of his friends. One of those years, um, he was like, oh, I have to start you know, going up there, I need to get a new gun. He bought this new Smith & Wesson with this big old barrel on it. And he's like, you know, these bears are crazy up here. You know, they're very territorial. He says, I have to have that because I'm either going to get mauled by a bear or I'm going to die in a rain of gunfire one day. And I'm like, well, I don't like either of those scenarios. Yeah, not, so can not we good just options, either one. Stay on them? Yeah, you know, can we just stay on our retirement plan and, you know, know we're going to travel when we get up in our 50s and 60s? So that was a year prior to this. Well, he ends up going on another fishing expedition, and he got ran out by bears. So literally that happened. And next thing I know, my husband is dying in a rain of gunfire. Yeah. And that's the so, stark reality of what happens, and, and it happens yeah. to, to so many families. And it's, you, you made a good point. You said you, you grew up in a law enforcement family, yeah. and we all know the risk. We all knew that it could happen, but we found a way, at least I speak for me, I found a way in my mind that it wasn't going to happen to me. It was just a, a risk that didn't come into play in your mind often but when you said course, when your husband was going on stairs and you said the blood was running out of his face I yeah. uh, first thing I thought it was there are many times that I was very much afraid going to calls or going to raids you know going to do a, a search sure, and seizure warrant sure. and I would pray uh, I prayed like a lunatic in the front seat of the police car uh, when the incidents were going on there was no time to be fearful it was afterwards but before when you said that, look, I, I could mm-hmm. feel it in the pit of my stomach. That that's, and, and we've all, I, I think every every law enforcement family and every law enforcement officer knows that feeling at some point or another in their career. Yeah, my I even had one of my brothers, Jay, was actually um, sadly hit by one of his own patrol cars. Actually, one of them hit him while they were chasing a suspect. His um, commander's wheels hit the wet grass and slid and you know, pinned my brother into a fence, but um, we heard about that via the TV. Yeah. So back then, they didn't care that, you know, this officer <laughs> was, you know, injured saying his name before we had even been contacted. My brother was okay, thank God. Well, we're going to take but a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you're notified, and let's talk about uh, your mission now, because you're a driven person. You have a mission. There's so many things to talk about. I'm afraid we won't have enough time uh, this is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 
24 hours and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677. Get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. The opioid epidemic is affecting countless lives, including young adults. Did you know approximately 45% of opioid prescriptions to adolescents are made by dentists, often after wisdom teeth removal? These drugs carry risks, but you can help reduce your risk or the risk for a loved one. If prescribed an opioid, ask your dentist to consider limiting prescriptions to three days, using over-the-counter pain relievers, and properly disposing of unused medications. For more information, go to Shatterproof.org. This has been a message from Shatterproof, United Healthcare, and this station. Back to our conversation with Nikki Romans. Nikki is uh, a survivor. Uh, her husband, Police Sergeant Irvin Romans, Oakland, California Police Department, killed in the line of duty March 21st, 2009, along with three other officers that day and one other injured. You're at the house, Nikki, when we left the conversation. Your yeah. husband went to the call. Uh, so what we I was told my wife at the time was if something really bad happens, you'll get a knock at the door. Uh, they won't call you. There'd be a knock at the door. Uh, there'd be a couple of uniformed police officers, probably my commanding officer there. Is is that what happened for you? Yes, and again, another similar story, and it was probably all in that same conversation the year before, because with him, he worked the crime reduction team, so they were definitely the guys in Oakland, California, that were on the big drug bus, you know, all the time, all the time. So there was never a, I'm home at, nine o'clock every night type of thing so sometimes it's three and four in the morning that he's getting home so you know babe i'm okay when you don't hear from me it's when they come to the door i'm dead so that day not even an hour and a half goes by and our home was set up to where we actually used our back sliding glass door as our main entrance door. It actually truly had a locking key because it was just easier, convenient because we had the detached garage type of thing. So here comes one of the Oakland police officers. I was still standing in the kitchen organizing where I'm putting all this damn protein powder. Yeah. And I can see her through the sliding glass door. And now the blood is drum dry. just draining out of me i literally instantly knew what was happening though she hadn't said anything yet she's just telling me to unlock the door but if i unlock that door jane that means she's got to tell me my husband's dead so if i just stand there long enough he's still okay so i even back away from the door and i stand at the stairwell screaming upstairs for my son to come down because I literally felt the life of me leave my body. And I don't even know, I, I don't even know how I'm even standing and breathing and living today. From that moment, it just completely changed me. My um, security, my belief in God, all these things that I knew I had because I was such a strong person 
literally were just all flying out of my head, out of my heart, out of my body. But she's knocking on the sliding glass door, and I'm like, so I had my son opening it. And all she says is, Nikki, we've got to get into the car right now. So um, my son and I, we get into the car. The whole time still, she's not telling me anything. We end up meeting up the street. There was a California Highway Patrol officer waiting around the corner because she did not come in a marked car. So um, we needed to obviously get supposedly to the hospital ASAP. And so the CHP officer put us into his car and got us about 20 miles away to the hospital in mock speed. I don't know how we got there. There was literally Saturday Bay Area traffic. We have five lanes where we live. I do not know how we got there. Um, We pull into the emergency room bay. It's a long driveway coming up where normally the ambulances would go into. But Jay, it was covered and lined with the men and women from his department. They all had their heads down. There were tears. I can hear some of them audibly sobbing, even though I was still in the car. I see his best of friends standing there. And when our car stopped, the best man from our wedding, who was also a, a Oakland police officer, he opens the door, he takes my hand, and he says, he's dead, Nikki. Our Irvin is dead. I didn't scream, I didn't cry, I didn't fall to my knees. I had my son with me, I just instantly have to go into mama mode. And that's what happened to me for many years. I just stayed in mama mode. It took me a long time to grieve my husband's death. Um, It was so um, public. It was so huge. We had over 24,000 people at the funeral. You don't get that quiet, peaceful time to yourself anymore because of that. There was so much that just um, instantly goes into autopilot of what's going to happen now. And you just have to roll with it. You just have to roll with it. One of my brothers, who was a deputy sheriff, he had retired and got into finance, thank God, with one of the local banks. He just instantly turned into my person to help me with so many things. I couldn't even write a check. I couldn't even sign my name, you know, three months later still to anything. I I just couldn't function anymore. All I knew was, I got to get the kids to school. Um, This one has soccer practice. This one has football game. I mean, I just... That's all I could stay in focus in. And I've heard that from so many survivors that we've talked to, that life still goes on and you have to perform this incredible juggling act, even though you don't feel like it. Sure, sure. Because I wasn't the one who wrote out the bills. I wasn't the one, you know, to do those main things. We sat together and did bills, but, you know, that was kind of like his thing, his job, you know, kind of the man thing. Um and I did the mom stuff, and that's what worked. And having to do both was very, very hard. Very, very hard. It 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 it, it was life changing. It was something that you don't want wish upon your worst enemy to have to go through. But I'm so proud of myself of where I've come, where my children have come since then. And you would do uh, a lot. Or I should say, you do some public speaking, you're reaching out, you're trying to take your experience and to help others? Um, I try to speak when possible at the local academies. I go out to rallies when it's our, you know, back our blue days. 
I'm heavily involved with an amazing organization, which I know you know of, Concerns of Police Survivors. They're the best. Cops is the best. And I've been affiliated with them since 1989, 1990, somewhere around there. They're phenomenal people. They're our savior. Um, Tomorrow I do get to speak to over 300 people for one of the organizations called the, the 100 Club of Alameda. They're a nonprofit group who provides immediate financial assistance upon a line of duty death of firefighter and or police officer. And a lot of communities have them local to their area. So ours is for Alameda County, which is where Oakland was a part of. I do my best to make people understand that no matter what, my husband was still a husband and a father, not just an officer. And that's pretty huge, especially with how the disrespect of law enforcement has come. Jay, I'm also a product of a black father and a white mother. I come from a mixed family. Anytime I hear anything racial stimulated in regards to anything, it upsets me because regardless, that's just not how we are raised. It's just so easy for people to put stuff in categories like that that have really nothing to do with anything whatsoever. Exactly. So again, I get to speak upon that as often as I can for rallies. So if you could and, and unfortunately this still continues to happen and it happens to our military families it happens to our, our law enforcement our first responders our firefighters if you could say one thing to the anybody listening uh, community members members of the department when this happens because it's going to happen what should they do for the survivors how should they behave wow Um, That's a huge, huge question, and at the same time, it should just be so simple. Just keep engaged. Make a note in your day timer and your calendar that always on the particular day for us, March 21st, to remember to to reach out, honor them even on their birthdays or remember. But I also try to understand that these people have jobs to do, and their job isn't just to coddle us family members. But it's not that as much as I just want them to remember that what my husband sacrificed for them, as well as that community and that department. Yeah, and, 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 and your family remembered. as well. Uh, I We're running out of time. Nikki, I can tell you this. Uh, you did a phenomenal job talking about a very difficult subject. And I definitely want to have you back on the show again in the future. I would love to. Thank you so much, Jay. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly, we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.